Gracious Father, we, again, once again, Lord Jesus, we are here uh, because we anticipate that you will speak, um, and we long for you to speak uh, through these words written so long ago. So I I pray that anything that I say that's distracting or unhelpful, God, just help that to fade away, Um, and God, instead, I pray that we would grab hold to the truths of of your word and the truths that are revealed to us uh, in the words that we're looking at this morning. Um, So speak, even even from a story so old. Um, We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, well, I, I apologize in advance, um, but to help us set the mood for the morning, uh, let's watch this ridiculous clip. How can they not know how much better we are? I don't know. Sometimes people are just impossible and they make you miserable. That is true. Like Angela in accounting. Yes, she is nuts. Oh, no, she's wonderful at accounting, but she drives me crazy. Make the next right turn. How do they know? How does this know where to turn? That's very impressive. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club. Other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? You lose everything, and everything falls apart, and eventually you die, and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake there. I think it knows where straight. it is going. This is the the machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not yelling. yelling. There's no lake here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window! Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Okay, yes. So, I know, it's ridiculous, right? Um, I mean, if you're listening to what Dwight said, that's how it goes sometimes, right? Sometimes everything falls apart, you lose everything, then you die, and nobody remembers you. Good point, Dwight. Uh, And then they they drive into a lake. Uh, And again, it's over the top, it's just you know, depressing, far-fetched, just ridiculously silly. I, I get all that. And yet, at the same time, it's sort of vaguely familiar, isn't it? I mean, not that anybody here is as stupid as Michael Scott. I don't think. I've not met all of you. Um, probably not. Um, nor do I think anybody in here has probably ever driven into a lake. Although, if you have, this would be a great time to fess up. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Okay, no. Uh, so this, this, isn't, this isn't us. And yet, at the same time, we've found ourselves in situations like this. Yeah, not, not with the over-the-top, over ridiculous silliness. Not, I, don't mean, I don't mean that at all. And yet, I mean, we've found ourselves in places where we know we are on a path, whether because of our own choices or it just sort of happened, in which we quickly discovered we are headed nowhere. Or worse, driving headfirst into disaster. We, we're no strangers, you and I, to dead ends, right? Maybe, maybe that's even why you're here this morning. Uh, something in your life, maybe, maybe this, this church thing, maybe it's kind of a last resort, right? You're just here because you're, you're not sure. You feel stuck. You feel lost. You're not, you're not sure what's going on, and, and, and you feel like you're trapped. Dead-end jobs dead in opportunities, dead in relationships. Maybe it's your, your health or your family, your finances. Maybe it's maybe even your faith. 
And the GPS in your brain starts yelling at you to make a U-turn. And you're not even sure if the U-turn is possible. And so you kind of brace yourself for the splash. Let me, let me give it another example. Because uh, this, is, this is what a, a dead end feels like to me. Um, I am more than a little bit claustrophobic. Okay, so in you know, tight spaces, crowds, just freaks me out a little bit, okay? Uh, Kelly makes fun of me all the time because I, I, I hate parking garages. I will, do any, I will drive around like looking for, I, just, I don't like it, I don't like elevators, I'm terrified of the day when I'm eventually gonna have to have an MRI. I mean, it just makes my skin crawl just, just to think about it. That to me is what a dead end, what, what it feels like, right? Trapped, out of control, you can't do anything, you're just, you're just sort of stuck. And we feel it in so many ways, don't we? And most of them aren't so silly, are they? Whether it's because of your own mistakes, uh, the mistakes of the people around you, or maybe just because of the brokenness of the world in which we live. And we hate dead ends. Now, hear hear me out. Because what I'm about to say is going to sound maybe a little bit infuriating at first. I think it's what we see in this, this text, this story. And especially if you are here this morning, you find yourself in a place where you feel stuck, lost, sort of dying in this moment, at that dead end. It may even sound, when I say this, it may, it may sound just completely unfeeling and even cruel. But there is hope here. It's this. God loves dead ends. Loves them. Not, not that he enjoys our pain or suffering or frustration in the midst of them, and yet so often God does his greatest work in our lives and in our world and dead ends. God loves dead ends, and we, we see that here in this story. And so this morning, we are, we are smack dab in the middle of this ancient story. Frankly, it's one of the best stories ever, Okay. We're right in Exodus chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you're, you're welcome to follow along with us if, you, if you'd like to. We'll kind of walk our way through the story. Uh, but if you're, if you're new here this morning or you've been on vacation or just sabbatical for the last 12 weeks, uh, let me kind of catch us up where we are this morning. Okay, so we're not, we're not lost. What's been happening, we're in, we're in Exodus, and, and God's people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they have been enslaved in Egypt, oppressed terribly. But they cry out to God, and God hears them, And he calls Moses a burning bush. And it's not because Moses is some great hero, right? We've seen that already in this story. He's not a hero, and yet God is. God is clearly the hero of this story, but God chooses to use messy, weak, faithful people like us to accomplish his plans. And so last last week was the ultimate cage fight. Not Moses versus Pharaoh, but Yahweh, the one true God, our God versus all the pagan deities of Egypt and against their their wicked nation, the the plagues, 10 of them. And God clearly wins by knockout and the Israelites are, are spared by the blood of the lamb. Now they've left. After 400 years, as strangers in a strange land. Finally, God is fulfilling his promises to them, right? It takes 400 years. That's, that's God's business. 
Sometimes it takes that long, and yet here, here they go, right? Off, off into this, this land that they've been anticipating that was promised to them so long ago, and they are marching out. 600,000 men is, is what it says. Maybe as many as 2 million people all, all together. It's a lot of people. And this is a celebration, right? That is one long conga line, isn't it? I mean, picture, picture this like a, a Jewish Mardi Gras in the desert, right? Whatever, whatever that would even be, right? But this is a party. They are, they are gone. They are out. God has come through for them, and they are in anticipation of all that he has for them in their future. But it's been a few weeks, and it is kind of hot and sort of dry, and your feet kind of hurt. So what, right? No big, good, goodbye grief. Goodbye pain and suffering and oppression. Hello, anything new. I mean, this, this can't be that bad, right? Can't get any worse than that, could it? And you actually believe that until you see the water. Right, right there in front of you, this huge body of water, right? You've been walking in the desert for weeks, and this is what you come to. I mean, even then, you're not, you're not particularly stressed about it, right? Because you're not in any hurry. You're not a slave anymore, right? That's, that's the real story here, right? You, you are free. Finally, you are out there. It's going to be fine. I mean, it's, it feels like a dead end, but you've seen worse. I mean, you are beginning to wonder just a snitch about this guy Moses, right? Uh, wishing somebody would give him some direction of, of how, to, how to get there, right? You're beginning to, to wrestle with that, but this is it's, it's still okay until you begin to hear the rumors. Did you hear what God told Moses? I mean, if they're actually talking to one another. God told Moses that Pharaoh changed his mind. That he prefers us as slaves and that he and his entire army and 600 of his fastest chariots are on their way here right now. It's just a rumor, right? But now you're worried. You know what's so interesting in this story? God actually did tell Moses this was going to happen. I mean, that kind of surprises me a little bit. Because typically when I'm feeling trapped, right, when I'm feeling in that sort of dead-end space, stuck, whatever it is, I, I kind of feel like I get there, and then maybe if I'm lucky, God shows up, right? Like some, sometime later I pray, and then, then, then it happens, but... That's, that's not how this story unfolds. According to this, dead ends are no surprise. I mean, they're, they're no surprise to us, right? Not really. I mean, they, they throw us off, off guard. We, we hate them. We, we do tend to expect that they happen to somebody else, not us, right, when they actually happen. But they don't surprise us. Not, not if we know this story, right? Not if we know how broken our world is, how, how sin has, has ruined everything. They're no surprise to us. At least they, they shouldn't be. But we often forget that that's what don't surprise God. And that's actually kind of a bit of an understatement here. With God, sometimes dead ends are just part of the plan. I mean, look what God tells Moses in verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, this is before it all happens, right? They are want... They, so let me start over. Verse 3, For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Essentially what Pharaoh is, is saying there is that Yahweh has forgotten them, right? 
He's not as good and as powerful as I thought he was with the plagues and all that. Yahweh apparently is like our gods, the Egyptian gods, capricious and angry and fickle, right? He changed his mind. Look what he's done. He's led them into a trap. God has, Pharaoh says. And I'm going to go get them, right? And so God says about this, verse 4, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Pharaoh thinks that God has set a trap for Israel. The reality of what's happening here is that God is setting a trap for Pharaoh and for the Egyptians. And he's going to be ready for them. You see, Pharaoh had already hardened his own heart over and over again, right? We've, we've seen that in, in this story. Pharaoh had declared war on Yahweh and on all of God's people and, and hated them, longed to de- destroy them, had oppressed them for years. And now God, our God, is about to show Pharaoh and Egypt and Israel and all the surrounding nations who's really in charge here. Now, I realize we, we talked a little bit about this last week, right, when we talked about the plagues, that when we come to God's judgment like this, it makes us uncomfortable, right? We can just call that out. We, we kind of squirm, right, thinking, how is God doing this, setting a trap for Egypt and, and all of that? I, I get that. We, we sit here comfortably asking how God could do this, but I guarantee the Hebrews weren't having this conversation. They'd been raped and murdered and oppressed and destroyed systematically for generations by these people. I mean, we, in our, in our comfortable place, we ask, God, how could you? But they were asking, God, how could you not? How could you not rescue us? How could you not bring us out of this terrible? How could you not punish the wicked for the years and years of violence against us? And so God isn't surprised. I mean, this, this dead end, even, even though the people, they don't understand it yet, it is 100% a part of the plan Listen, I don't, I don't pretend to know what it is you're dealing with, where you feel stuck or lost or just dead. I don't know what that is for you, the agony that you feel in this moment. Maybe some of you are struggling with it, even just right now. I don't know what that is, but I can tell you this. God's not surprised by any of it. I mean, you can, you can look around our world, right, and, and the changing times in which we lived, or you can look inside at your own wounded stories, and I can tell you, I don't, I don't know all that God is doing, but I can, he's not shaken. None of it is catching him off guard. One author writes, sometimes coming to the Red Sea, meaning sometimes the dead end, is just as much part of God's plan as crossing it. Because God loves dead ends. Now, now here's the part where we tend to make fun of the Hebrews. Because they panic, Right? They start freaking out in the midst of all this. Rumors turn into reality. They can see off in the horizon the dust cloud beginning to rise as 600 chariots come racing towards them and the fiercest army in the world ready to attack them. Here's a little imaginative help from Ridley Scott. Um, I don't know, a terrible movie, but I mean, you see it, it, it you begin to, okay, this, is, this isn't the flannel graph version, right? This is real stuff. Think about what is happening to these people. And they could see it from the distance coming to them. 
And it's easy for us, right? Oh, you know, what's wrong with these Hebrews? Man, they just saw God, the 10 plagues, they've seen his power, right? How could they possibly be afraid? Set us in our comfy little chairs and our comfy little lives. I don't care what they saw. What they see now is a huge body of water to their east, to the east, and a racing army of trained sadists coming for them at their west. This is nothing but terror. They've got their families with them. There's no Geneva Convention, no, no little white flags to wave. Pain is racing towards them. And so, of course, they cry out. Verse, verse 10, it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12, then, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Even slavery looks pretty good right about now. And I see them coming. You see, dead ends push us to turn back, don't they? Big ones, small ones, right? When you're there, face, just think, maybe... Maybe I gotta go another way. Maybe I've made a mistake, right? And the GPS in your brain, right? It starts yelling at you. Do something else. And you're not even sure a U-turn is possible. Surely we've made a wrong turn somewhere. I mean, haven't you asked that question in those moments? I mean, I know for me, the first sign of struggle, and, and so quickly I jumped to second-guessing God or myself or the people around me and think, something must, must not be right, right? This can't be part of the plan. This isn't, this isn't right. I don't want to, I don't want to be here. And we're confident that if that things would have been better, if only. And that's typically when I kind of just forget everything, right? And obviously, sometimes we do make mistakes. Sometimes we do need to turn around or, or change direction in the midst of these things. We, we, of course, that happens, but not, not like this. Not when you know that it's right. And so, for example, you, you count the ways that God has taken care of you. Maybe you do that. And you, you've seen his faithfulness. Nothing as dramatic as this. But you've seen him how quickly I forget. And it's flight or fight, you know, but rarely faith. And so maybe you look at the decisions you made at work and you've been faithful there to do what you've been called, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't panned out like you thought it would. Or maybe you look, you look at your, your family, right? And you've, you've been the perfect parent. At least you've tried to be, right? And now you see your kids making decisions that you just, you're not crazy about. Maybe in your marriage, right, you've, you've done the right thing, you've tried to say the right things, you've tried to be the right person, and yet it's just, it's just not what you wanted. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a really long time, but now you're sick or lonely. Or maybe even you're just, you're brand new with this whole Jesus thing, and you, you just thought it would have been a whole lot easier. You didn't know it was going to be this hard, and you begin to wonder, does does he really care about me as much as I thought he did? Or I expected him to? And maybe you don't want to say it out loud, right? But you're thinking of turning back. Whatever that is for you. Some of you feel that way right now. You know, I can remember in my early days as a pastor, this was years ago, but the wound still feels fresh in many ways, a feeling sort of, you know, dead end a little bit. Um, 
I mean, did you know that the majority of pastors they quit forever within the first five years? Um, it's just part of the statistic. It's just part of, I don't know why, it's just the way, it's the way it is. And I, honestly, looking back, only in hindsight, I recognize I was pretty close to becoming one of those statistics. And I don't, I don't even know why, I, I don't even think I could, like, put my finger on why or articulate to you what was happening. And, and yet, I, I mean, Kelly can vouch. We had lots of conversations. Have we, have we taken a wrong turn? God, did you want something different from me? Is this really it? You know, sometimes it felt like, you know, the sea in front of me and an army behind me. And honestly, I can't even necessarily articulate what has changed since then. And I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. At least, you know, not most days I don't feel that way, right? I don't, I don't know what has changed, and yet I do know this. Sometimes you just have to keep taking steps forward, believing that this is where God has, has put you and keep inching your... Sometimes you just have to put your feet in the water, Right? See what happens. Yeah, but easy for me to say, right? Tell that to the mother of three with a chariot racing toward her. This isn't an army, right? This is a bunch of bricklaying slaves with families. In no situation ever does this scene conjure up anything but terror and despair. I found this, this picture online. I feel like this captures it, doesn't it? <laughs> Dead end one way. Just trapped. No answers and no way out. And then, you notice the pillar of cloud beginning to shift its direction. You've kind of been wondering about the cloud, right? You've been following it for the last couple of weeks, kind of wondering if that was part of the directional issues that Moses was having, following a cloud, and yet now this cloud begins to to shift, and it becomes it's a huge pillar. It, it comes between you and them, right? Between life and death, and it blocks their way. And then, I mean, you can't even believe what happens next. If you hadn't seen it with your own eyes, you're not sure you would believe it. But look how it's described in verse 21. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the dead end becomes a highway. Now the Egyptians follow, which no matter how you feel about the Egyptians, you just got to think, what's, what, what are they thinking, Right? I mean, who, who, who would do that, right? I mean, the only reason the Israelites go through is because it's like, well, we walk through there and the tower of water between, or there's an army, right? And even then, they probably had their doubts, right, of which way they should go. And yet, the Egyptians follow. This is how much Pharaoh hated them. This is how hard Pharaoh's heart was against God's people. He chases them in there. And then it's, I mean, it's just predictable at that point, right? The Israelites, they get through, and then the towers of water crashes in. Pharaoh and his entire army drowns right there on the spot. And Israel, Israel meets their God. Not just theory anymore. Not just a God that they imagine or get little glimpses of, but they, they meet him as, as Savior, as the one who will deliver them no matter what they're going to face, that, that he could... If he can do this, there's no stopping him. Dead ends reveal him to us, don't they? 
When, when, there's, when there's no other way, no other explanation, then something, something happens. And yes, maybe not like that. Let's not pretend, right? We've not had any experiences quite like that. And yet something. And you know that he's been here. Look back at verse, verse 13. This is before this happened. Moses said to the people, fear not. Just, I just love that Moses says that. Don't be afraid. It's just an army. It's okay. <laughs> fear not. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. God fights for his people. And then after the fact, verse 31, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. There are certain things that we just cannot learn when life is easy. Because when when life is good, when things are fine, it's because, let's be honest, it's because we just think we're that awesome, right? We're just, I'm so good at living my life and so of course things are fine and and everything is great. And I'm convinced that God does reveal himself to us in the difficult things or in the easy times, in the good times, right? With, With all, I think he's always revealing himself to us. And yet I just, I don't think I notice. At least most times, because I don't have to, right? Kind of reminds me of this, this guy, Job. Maybe you've heard of Job. Job suffered more than just about any of us could possibly imagine. I mean, talk about dead end after dead end after dead end, and he argues with God over it. You can read about it right in the middle of your Bibles. But Job, in the midst of that experience, towards the end of his story, he says, my ears had heard of you. He's talking to God. My ears had heard of you but now my eyes have seen you. Faith had become real for him. Another, another example, I hate this quote by C.S. Lewis. I hate it. Lewis was a, an atheist professor in uh, Oxford, Cambridge, uh, who ended up giving his life to Jesus when he was in his 30s. I, I hate what he says, but I, I think he's right on. Listen to this. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Don't you hate that? You know it's true. Dead ends wake us up. Dead ends shake us out of our stupor. Dead ends change the conversation around us, right? And sometimes dead ends reveal our God to us. I can't help but think of some of our dead ends as a church. I mean, even as I was thinking through this, right, because this is God's people, right, not just individual. And we, all, we have our individual dead ends, and I think, I think we can talk about that. But us as a people, right, and so I, as I was writing, I was thinking about just our, our history and Christ community. I mean, I began at, at Christ community um, as a senior in high school, began attending, 1997. This is one of my first Sundays there. I remember this so clearly. I mean, it's so formative for me, even as I understand who God is and what he's doing in this place, what he, what he does for his church. It was one of my first studies there, and uh, the elders explained to us that they had just decided, uh, let me even back up, we had one campus at the time, it was at Overland Trail Middle School, Overland Park, okay, so it wasn't even a, a permanent facility, it was a temporary home um, for us as we were just really still getting our start, and the elders had explained one of those first Sundays that I was there, uh, that they had just decided to send a large sum of money to a, a struggling church plant in Romania, um, which meant not building again right? It, it, it was a, a, they made the decision knowing there was going to be huge, a huge delay. 
But as a, as a church, we just figured they, they needed it more than we did. And so we're going to continue to do the school thing and set up every Sunday and all those kinds of things. But that, that same week that that happened, I mean, just completely, you know, random, outside of our control, we received a, a gift as a church of $500,000, way more than we had just given away. I mean, that felt like a dead end, and yet God parted the waters. Or even, I even think then nine years later when we started the Olathe campus here, Nine years after that, um, we had been in a more permanent facility then in, in Leewood, and things were going fine in Leewood. Everything was great, right? And we could do church there and all of that, and yet we felt like God was calling us to Olathe. We thought, Olathe, this area needs, needs a church, like Christ community. And, and so um, this land was in this building here. This part of it was practically given to us, so God had already opened up doors. And, and, and so we went, and I, I was 26 years old, I didn't know the first thing about being a pastor. They put me in charge, which was probably their first mistake. And honestly, there were times that felt like a colossal dead end. And that first year, it just felt like one dead end. I mean, some of you were there. Like, a few of you were there. All right? You remember. And we thought for sure, like, God, we, you wanted us to come to Olathe, right? So maybe some people should come to church and we could, you know make a difference in our community. And we felt like it was a dead end at times. But look what God has done now. Many of you, I know, can tell stories of the way God has changed you. He's changed me through this place. Or even, even just seven months ago when we started the Shawnee campus, right, when we here in Olathe sent out 120 people, some volunteers and leaders, friends of ours, right, people that we still miss and love, that was painful, wasn't it? It still is painful. And the moments of pain causes doubt, doesn't it? God, is this really, is this really the direction? And yet now we're both thriving here and there. And God just keeps showing up. I mean, what if we'd been too afraid? What if we'd turned back? What would we have missed of God? And what is he going to do next? So here's what, I, here's what I think we need to do. This is at least what I need to do. I think, I think this comes out of, of the story here. But in light of our dead ends, both individually and collectively, right, as a people and as, as individuals facing these things, and I, don't, I don't want us to pretend that this is us, right, that this story is exactly us and we're, we're at the Red Sea and God is going to part the waters exactly like he did for them. I, we, we don't know how God is going to part our waters. And it may look, for some of us, it may look nothing like this. It may look nothing like we want it to. Not all dead ends are the same. Some suffering is inexplicable. And there are times when there are no answers that would satisfy us of what God is up to, right? Yet as I look at this story, I think there are three questions we can safely ask in the midst of them. Three, three things here. God, what do you want me to learn? God, what do you want me to see? And God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to learn? Is there something that I need to learn about you or about myself or about our world and the people around me? What, God, would you just... Would you teach me, right? If, if anything, would you at least, if nothing else, would you teach me something about you in the midst of this? And God, what do you want me to see? Maybe, maybe it's not something you need to learn necessarily, but something you need to experience. God's comfort in, in a new way or his presence or, or just even a, a little tiny glimpse of his, of his glory, right? To be able to, to see it. And the reality is, are we even watching for him at the dead ends? I mean, are we there sort of just, you know, looking expecting him to somehow show up, to show himself. God, would you show me who you are? And God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to turn back? 
Is there a different route? Do I need to make a change? Do, do you want me to die here at the Red Sea? Maybe that's it. Do you want me to keep pushing forward? Should I get into the water? What do you, what do you want? How can I be faithful even in the midst of a dead end? You know, I've got to tell you, there's only one way any of this stuff is even remotely possible. Because we can talk about it in theory all we want to, right? And even sort of pat ourselves on the back and feel good about it for a second. But when you're stuck, right? And some of you are there, right? When you're in that moment, when you just feel lost, life is crashing in on you. There's only one way any of this could possibly ever make sense for us. You have got to believe that dead ends are never really the end. Not for us. I mean, only then can you, can you look to God. Only then can you, like, trust him a little bit. Only then can you actually thank him in the midst of the dead ends. Not that you're thankful for your pain that you're experiencing, but, but you're watching for him. Because the ultimate dead end has already been dealt with. And so that means that even if you die there at the Red Sea, slaughtered by a cruel army, even that's not the end. Even if what you're praying for, what you're longing for, what you keep banking, well, even if it never happens, not like you want it to, it's not, it's not the end, not ultimately, not anymore, not, not for us, not for his people, because Jesus faced the ultimate dead end on our behalf. And you know what's interesting about that? God didn't part the Red Sea for his own son. He let him die on that cross. That is the ultimate dead end, right? God on a cross, Messiah in a tomb. And yet even that doesn't hold him down. Even that cannot stop him or keep him away from pursuing us and loving us, for he rose again. Because he lives, he has given all who belong to him a way through. We don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to be for you, and yet you can see it, right? You can picture the walls parting for you of sin and lust and anger and doubt and fear and and depression and divorce and infertility and whatever it is, death coming for us, disease, and yet the waters part for us, his people. And because he lives, we get to walk through on dry ground, made whole, that he is bringing us home. So yeah, God loves dead ends because he is leading us to a place where there is no death and has no end. And so we can praise him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would do it again. God, do it again. Do it in my life. Do it in the lives of the people here. God, especially those who are hurting, who feel so stuck. I pray that you would help them even as they, even maybe now in this moment, wonder if you, if you do care, if you are near, if you are actually going to show up in their lives. God, I pray that you would in ways that they can recognize it and see it. Would you hold, hold them close to you? And God, I pray that no matter what happens, no matter what it looks like, God, because we don't, we don't know exactly what you're going to do. Lord Jesus, help us to trust you to believe that the ultimate things, death and sin and hell, all of that has already been parted for us. And so that no matter what we face, we can walk through. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen.